I'm, we're going to have Bistro and come on up here real quick. Um, she just took a bunch of girls to the Revolve Tour, and I'm not going to tell you more about it, but she's going to tell you a little bit about In case you don't know, Bistro is our youth intern here, so if you don't know her, you should get to know her. Thanks, Matt. Good morning, Bethany. Welcome to today's edition of Good Morning, Bethany. I'm your host, Bistro. Um, I'm here to tell you guys about Revolve, which is an excellent conference. It is, have you guys heard of Women of Faith, Promise Keepers? It's the teen girl version of that. And it is so fun. It's so exciting. And uh, this year's theme was All Access. And that pretty much comes down to we have all access to God and his kingdom and everything that he's provided for us. And pretty much the only thing in the way of our having that access is ourselves. We let so many things get in the way of that. And um, instead of me just telling you all these cool things, I'd like to bring up a guest today. Her name is Adrena Anders. Please give her a warm welcome. Here you are, sunshine. So, Adrena, what did you love about Revolve? I really liked Group One Crew, and this is their shirt. A hip-hop band. They're (laughs) fabulous. And I really like Natalie Grant. Natalie Grant, excellent. Can you um, can you tell me something you learned when you were at Revolve? I learned that um, if you're 13, you can still change the world. And um, there's this kid, Austin, and he did that through Hoops of Hope. Tell us more about Hoops of Hope. It's that um, you come and you shoot hoops, and um, every hoop that you shoot, you raise money for Africa to build clinics and high schools and more clinics. Yeah, this kid, Austin, he's only 13 years old, realized that in Africa, in this town that he'd been learning about, the closest school was 17 or 14 miles away. And he was like, this is ridiculous. I have, like, four schools 17 to 14 miles from my house, and I don't even like school. And these kids want to go to school. So he decided to, it's, um, it's like a marathon, right, where they shoot hoops. And I, I don't quite know how it works, but anyway, if they raised money, and they built a high school, and then they built a clinic, and he's not done yet, is he? He's still building a clinic for mother-baby age transfers at yeah. birth. <laughs> yeah. He's now um, raising money to build a clinic that specializes in um, pre- preventing the age transfer from mother to the newborn baby. So what else did you learn when you were there? That, like, you can be any age to change the world if, it, if you start changing the world in your house, household. <laughs> nice. Was there a specific person who talked about that that you liked or... How about Natalie Grant? Yeah, her. (laughs) (laughs) She, um, something that she said was she started her her talk with, once upon a time, a girl changed the world, and then she changed it and said, now put your name here. And she said, once upon a time, Adrena changed the world. And so Adrena is telling me that she was really affected by this. She wanted, she wants to change the world. And so we're talking about passions and uh, what makes you you, because God's giving you those passions and yourself to change the world. Because you're the only person who can change the world the way you can. And so Adrena hopes to change the world through fashion designing. That's right, fashion design. Can you tell us a little more about that? Well, I like to design clothes and, um, like, household interior decorating and cars. Yeah, Adrena has a creative eye. The whole weekend, she was like, I love that shirt. I love the message it has. If I was going to do this, I would do it this way, and I would love to make something like this. And so she already has an idea about what her passion is and how she's going to use it for God. 
Is there is there any last thing that you want to add about Revolve that you liked? Moving. Moving. <laughs> Do you want to tell us what that means? It's a song that is, like, if you want to get moving, you start moving now. And, like, it, nothing's holding you back from God. Yeah, that's Group One Crew again. They have this, this part, and it's so great. The lights would shine out and shine on everybody. and would say, you don't have to wait anymore. And the song's like, you're striving, you're trying really hard to get to know God and what he has for you, but you don't have to keep trying. He's already doing it. Just start working with him. So, moving. Excellent. Thanks, Adrena. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us today. Have an excellent rest of your morning. Thanks, guys. Let's just pray real quick, and then we'll start. God, thank you for youth. Thank you for our young ladies that went on this trip. And, God, I just pray that they were moved and that they were touched. God, uh, we ask that uh, you move in the ways that they see it. God, uh, youth a lot of times can be a um, fine picture of what you desire from us. And, God, uh, give us a heart for that. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 So glad. Adrena, you rock. Where did she go? That is going to continue until, God willing, she is an old lady. And he is just building and growing and ministering and loving through her life. That's a picture of what, what we're supposed to be. Welcome to Bethany. My name's Tom. So glad you're here. Please open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, number five, book in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't have a Bible, doesn't matter, raise your hand. We got Tim back there. He's got some free Bibles. They're our gift to you. Take it with you. Read it. It is uh, the words of eternal life. So, uh, and you can follow along with us. Um, Great. We are glad to have you here as we study the book of Acts. As Matt said, we're going to take a journey today that I guarantee you. If you stay with us, if you stay with this and you open yourselves up to the word of God and what he's going to say through these coming weeks, through his scripture, through acts, your life will be transformed. Better than that, your eternity will be transformed. You say, I already belong to Jesus Christ. Great, great place to start. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And if you're just checking out the claims of Jesus Christ, this is a great place for you to start as well. Um, and I, I can barely contain myself because I've looked ahead. Uh, we, we tend to study ahead from where we are in the current week. And I know what's coming. I know it's coming and it's already at work in me. And, uh, and I'm thrilled about it because uh, I've seen the coming attractions. You know, I, I, I kind of read it and, and I love coming attractions. I don't know if you do. Uh, some people get to the movies right on time. No, 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 no. Because one of the most fun things is to see what's coming, to see what's coming again. And, and I love the coming attractions. I don't know if you do, but, uh, you know, you got that guy, that guy with the voice and it. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the slums comes a story of epic proportions. One man, one hope, one destiny. Paramount Pictures presents Slum Dog Millionaire 2, starring the guy from the ShamWow commercial. What is it? What's going on here? Oh, this looks like a slum. It's a mess. Oh, no problem. I got a... Where did I put that, Ari? I don't know. I think it fell out. I got, I got a ShamWow. 
So he's cleaning it up. Anyway, um, that fell that fell flat. I had a I had a prop, but I'm I'm said I got so many layers. I'm wearing like 18 layers. So like a sham wow, it hides right in there. Anyway, um, coming attractions. You get better coming attractions than that. You get coming attractions from the book of Acts. Here they are. In the weeks to come, we're going to open up the Word of God. We're going to open up the Word of God and we're going to enter into... We're not going to just observe. We're going to enter into the life of the early church. And we're going to compare it to what we see, what we have experienced, what we're doing here. Not just during this hour, but as a church. And we're going to exchange exchange those things that don't look alike at all. And we're going to recapture their fire and their passion and their drive and their vision and their commitment and their experience of God. And it's going to be wonderful. We're going to reject the boredom of status quo faith. If your faith is not firing you up from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, you're going to open this book and see that there is no context for a run-of-the-mill, status quo, faith. And we're going to recapture that. We're going to see that. We're going to live the life without limits in the Holy Spirit of God that the early believers lived. That's what's coming. What else is coming? We're going to have a personal relationship with the most ignored person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We talk often about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to have that same personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, not only around us and in our midst, but in dwelling us. To have that personal relationship. And we will experience and receive the Spirit's promise, the Spirit's gift, the Spirit's filling, the Spirit's working, the Spirit's convicting, the Spirit's guidance and power. It is unmistakable. And yet our great mistake is that so often we miss it. We don't focus on it. What else is coming? We're going to discover some of the answers to the deepest questions that keep us awake at night. Who we are, what our purpose is. Can God use someone like me? What is this all about? Is there more than I'm currently having? Is there more than I currently experience of God? What's the meaning of it all? We'll discover some of the answers to the deepest questions. And then we'll come up against some other very deep questions. And we'll come to grips with the fact that we don't know. And we'll enter into the mystery of faith. And for the first time, for many of us, we'll be at peace with the things that God does not explain to us. Do you understand the difference? We'll go into God's Word. We'll find the answers to some of the deep questions. And other deep questions, we'll realize that He means for us to have deep questions and be at peace with that. Here's why I think this is such a big deal. Okay, this is my pet peeve. Part of the cosmic reality of following Jesus Christ in the mystery of faith is being at peace with the things that we don't understand. See, There are a lot of Christians who feel that knowing Jesus Christ, knowing Scripture, means we have to understand everything. Not only do we have to understand everything, we have to be ready to explain it to everybody else. And that's not true. 
That's not true. We're going to come up against circumstances in the book of Acts where God intervenes miraculously in the suffering and trials of His people. We're also going to come up against places where we're unsettled because He seems not to. We'll be unsettled by that, but, but the truth is, in the mix of all of that, we will come up against the fact that God uses both things for His miraculous purposes. Here's what I think we do. Here's what we think we do. We have to be able to explain everything. You go to any hospital. You go to any funeral home. You go to any memorial service. You go to any unemployment line. You're going to see some well-intentioned but clueless believer probably has a Bible as big as their hair. Right? And they're, they're the self-appointed explainer of the unexplainable. Offering some lame and often condescending stupid explanation as to the why this person, for whatever reason, has been rended from their heart. Just ripped apart. And they're going to tell you why God made your child die way unexpectedly, way too early. They're going to explain to you why God made your husband or your wife diagnosed with cancer. Why your wife tragically lost her sense of smell in some freak Pilates accident. They have an explanation for everything. And you know what? It's stupid. The answer is not why. The answer is who. The answer is who. Because, listen to this, the people who want to explain why God did this, why God did that in your life, they don't even know who's supposed to go next at the four-way stop. They don't know what's better, chunky or smooth. And they want to tell you why your heart has been broken. Why everything you thought you understood about the goodness of God, about the grace of God, about the mercy of God, is now being challenged. They want to explain that to you. Why you lost your job. Why your marriage... Is in pieces. Why your child has run away. And they don't know. They don't know. We're going to get to the point where we know what God wants us to know. And we're at peace and trusting in His sovereignty in what He doesn't want us to know. We're going to stop faking it. We're going to get to the point where we see a heartbroken friend or family member or somebody we don't know. And we go up to them and we cry with them. And we remind each other that in the confusion that is life, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's still on his throne, even when it seems like he's not. There is coming a day when he will wipe away every tear. But until then, Jesus is enough. Why is that important? Why is that important that we discover that through the book of Acts? Simply this, because that's real life. It's real scripture. And when we base our faith on God making sense to us, of us being able to explain away everything that happens rather than trust and believe and open ourselves up to the weakness of depending fully on His grace. We're just a matter of time before it all shatters.
Because you're going to come to the point, if you're not there already, when it doesn't make sense. When the whys don't come easily. And the who is all you have. And at that point, we'll realize the who is all we need. That's coming. Let's jump in. I think you'll see why this is so relevant. Acts 1. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to go, and, uh, and, and, and I think you'll see why this is so important. Acts 1.1. It starts off with these words, in my former book, Theophilus. Okay, let's stop there. So there was a book before this one. There was like a prequel to Acts. Who is writing, and what is this book that, that we're supposed to have read? Who is writing is Luke. Luke. And the, and the book before this was his gospel, the gospel according to Luke. And he's writing to this guy named Theophilus. Theophilus. You hope it was a big guy, right? Because unless he was, he probably got beat up a lot in middle school. Um, we can call him Theo for short. So who is Theophilus? And how do we know it's Luke? Well, we go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, third and fourth verse. Luke writes this. See the similarity. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you. Who? The most excellent Theophilus. So that you might know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. So here's this man again, the only two places he's mentioned in Scripture, beginning of Acts, Acts 1-1, and Luke, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. And Luke is writing to him both times, and here's what he's saying. I want to make sure the things that you understand, you are grounded in them. You are thoroughly convinced. You are convicted. You have an understanding of the faith. Let's unpack this and see what it means. We're going to get back to Theophilus. But just remember, this book is written to Theophilus. And it may, in fact, be written to you. So there we go. He says, I wrote, I wrote about, okay, let's, let's pick it up. Uh, second half of verse one. I wrote about all, this is important. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. In the book of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, he chronicled, he researched, he put it down so that we might be fully convinced all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, there's a word here. There's a word here that is the key to unlocking this, this verse, this book of Acts. In fact, the, the, the sweet awesomeness in all of its, in all of its scope, in all of its power, of following Jesus Christ. That word is began. Began. In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's dig into that. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? It means that Jesus began to do things in the Gospels. Now, let's, let's take, take a little sidebar. You know some of his famous words are on the cross, it is finished. 
It is finished. What do you mean Jesus only began? Did his sacrifice for sin once and for all on the cross? That's done. There is no more sacrifice. There is no more needed. But all that Jesus began to do and teach was not ended in the Gospels. It is not ended in Acts. He is still going on. He is still going on and continuing to do and to teach through the early church. Do you understand that? And here's why it's such a big deal that we get this. Because Jesus has just begun to do in this church. Jesus has just begun to do in your life, in your faith. He's continuing. The story continues. And I ask you, is that your faith experience? Is that what you're experiencing? Because for many, for too many believers in Jesus Christ, for too many who claim to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus began the work and finished the work. And and when we came to him and we received him as Lord and Savior and we got set free from sin and we got our reservation made in heaven and we're not going to hell, that was the end of it. That was the end of it. And we stopped allowing him to, to continue the story, to continue to write the story. And so what do we do? We say we're following him, but we stay the same people. Day after day after day, year after year after year. He's not transforming us. He's not transforming the church. He's not indwelling us in a way that we can go out and live the gospel so passionately, so truly, that the people around us, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our town, in our college, have to be encountering the gospel. It's not touching everybody. Why? Because in too many of our lives, he's finished. He's done. We shut him down. Everything Jesus began to do and teach, and it's crucial that we ask the question, is he still doing and teaching in our own lives? I think too often, if you're like me, you want a normal life with Jesus somewhere in it. And that's okay, we think, because there are churches full of people who live a normal life. With Jesus somewhere in it. But my friends, none of us could hang with these people. And Jesus never meant for that to change. This is not the chronicle of normal people. We're leading normal lives with Jesus somewhere in it. Our calling is for Jesus to be our life. To open ourselves to him in ways that we have not done. We have played it too safe. These people laid it all on the line and they were transformed radically and continually into the image of Christ. That's our call. And it's not a burdensome call. Here's the burdensome call. I'm going to work harder in my own strength to imitate what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Yeah, good luck. Here's the joyous, glorious call. He wants to live this life through me, in me, in you. And our chief goal is to get out of the way, to repent of everything in our lives that is not of him so that he can take over this body, this shell and go out and live his life again and again and again. That's the call. Has Jesus only begun in you? 
If you shut them down, the story is to continue. Let's move on. Verse 2. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After giving instructions. So, the God of all creation gives them instructions, gives us instructions. What are these instructions? Let's turn to Mark 16.15. Right before Jesus, well, this is after his resurrection. 16.15, Jesus says, go into all the world. All the world. That includes Gunnison. That includes the parts of Gunnison that give you the creeps. That includes the places you would not be caught dead. That is the places you think are too sinful for believers to go to. Go there. As well as to your family, to your friends, to your classmates, to your co-workers. And preach the gospel. Any other interpretation of that is watering it down. Go everywhere. Go to the people who need it the most. Don't cloister yourselves away in some kind of closet where we create some kind of Christian subculture and we don't, you know, we just don't engage with people who don't live the way we do. Well, good, because that's not the way we're supposed to live either. Go out. Go to the whole world and preach the good news to all creation. Said, I'm not a preacher. Every life preaches. Everybody preaches. You either preach that you look down on people because their particular sin is very offensive to you. Or you preach the fact that you are a product of grace. That without Jesus' grace, you would be the most lost of all people. And so you have mercy and compassion and love because you know Jesus has this. And he's living in you. And you can't find rest unless you're advancing his kingdom. That's the instruction. Okay, so he gives us this instruction. And it's supposed to touch the whole world. What are the things that touch a lot of people? Think about this country. If you're an adult, there are few people that are not thinking about, at some level, or affected by the economic situation. The economic meltdown, loss of jobs, real estate, lending, Savings, retirement. I would say this is something that is touching almost virtually everybody in this town, in this country. That's economic. Economic. This is supernatural. The God of the universe has said, this is going to be a tidal wave of my spirit that will touch Everyone and those who have touched, who, 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 who have accepted it, it will it will flow not only into them, but has to flow out of them until it touches everyone and not only everyone, but all of creation, because I want to redeem all of creation. And if an economic. Meltdown can touch everybody. Change our moods, change our actions, take our focus. What about the Holy Spirit of God? In his mission. Why are so many people untouched? Because maybe the story isn't continuing as it's meant to. And if the book of Acts is anything, and you'll see it on the logo, it says to be continued. To be continued. That's the message. That's the message. 
Let's go back to Acts 1, look at verse 3. After his suffering, after Jesus was beaten and, and, and flogged and, and crucified, and he was died and buried, and he rose again. After that, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. And something happened. There was some amazing change, transformation in the disciples. One could say they had already received Christ. They'd walked with him for three years, right? They were his friends. They had, they had interacted with him in ways that, that are hard to imagine. And yet, when he was suffering, when he died, they were cowards. They were cowards. It said, all who knew him forsook him and fled. That's a nice way of saying they were scared to death and they ran away as they wet their pants and they went and hid, curled up in the fetal position on a couch in some room that they hoped nobody would find. And then Peter went back to fishing. He said, at least I know that. I can count on that. They hid. But then something happened. Jesus appeared to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them. And, and, and at different ones, it took different things for them to get to that place where they knew that Thomas, he says, put your fingers in these holes. Put your hand in my side. I'm real. And Thomas finally believed. And he fell down and he said, my Lord and my God. And something changed. Because they were so fully convinced, these men who ran away and hid because they were cowardly and they were afraid became supernaturally bold. They became the bravest people that have ever been put on the face of the earth. In fact, they didn't run from trouble. They ran toward it. They ran toward it because they wanted to redeem all those people. The very people who were persecuting them. And with the exception of John, each died a horrific death of a martyr because they were unwilling to deny. They were unwilling to deny that Jesus Christ was alive. Where's that boldness? Jesus never intended for that boldness, for that convincing for that life to ever depart from his church, how heartbroken must he be right now? For us to say, oh Lord, come on man, I was just really just interested in my own salvation. I mean bold, I just want to get through this. Then you can take me home. That's not the plan. That's not the plan. If we're more concerned about our eternal destination than we are about letting Christ live his life again through us, and there are many who are, then we are not followers of Jesus Christ. We may be admirers of Jesus Christ. 
We may be users of Jesus Christ, but we're not followers of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is just getting started and his followers are not done yet. You can't follow Jesus Christ and throw your spiritual life in the park and say, I got what I need. I just want to stay here or I want to hog all this spiritual knowledge because somehow that's the answer. Follow, follow, follow. Be continually changed. And people are asking, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to be. I don't want to be this. This is good enough. Good enough is Jesus Christ. And anything short of that is sin. And if you want to go find a place that will make you feel comfortable Staying where you are. You won't have any trouble until you come face to face with the truth of God and the person of God. Because if we enter into that conviction and we are convinced that He is alive and we know His instructions, if we thought for a minute that that was really true, wouldn't we have to reevaluate everything our life is about? Every goal that we have, every desire that we have, every, every passion, every wasted minute, every wasted dollar, every, every hurt person, every argument, every attitude. Wouldn't we have to evaluate all that if we really believed for a moment that what he said is true and his call to us is real and that one day he's leading us on the most glorious mission for His glory and the redemption of a lost world. And we're going through life playing we and trying to play church rather than saying, let it continue. Let it continue. If I really believed for a minute, I'd have some decisions to make. My life for His my plans or his, my goals or his, my ways or his, my strength or his, my future or his. He's alive. He's alive. The difference between Christianity and so many other religions is that they study the life of their founder whose ministry ended when their life ended. Jesus' ministry just got started in his earthly ministry. It continues. The difference between Luke's gospel and the book of Acts is not the gospel being what Jesus did when he was on earth and Acts being what the church did in response to that. And us looking at that and thinking, okay, this is cool. This doesn't fit with my constructs. This isn't my denomination. This isn't my belief. This isn't what I'm comfortable with. It's not that. The gospel of Luke is what Jesus did in his earthly ministry as he walked this earth. The book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do from his throne in glory question is, are we part of it? Because of all the books in the Bible, Acts, I would submit to you, is unfinished. Say, wait, 
There's never going to be any more scripture. Granted, there's not. But it is the story of the ongoing work of Jesus Christ through his people to redeem a lost world, no matter the cost. Are you up for that? If you are, then let's go. Let's engage. Let's let him live his life again through us. And we will see the miracles, the glory, the transformation, the restoration that we'll read about in this book. Otherwise, we'll just collect a lot of head knowledge. And ultimately, when we stand face to face with him, we'll be even more convicted because we knew. Hey, better not even to study if you're not going to do it. Better to not even study because we're held responsible for what we know. Now you know. This book was written to Theophilus. Theophilus. He was a historical man who lived in the first century. But scripture is beautiful. I believe there's more to it than that. Theophilus is, is, is in the original Greek, it is two words, theo, which is God, theology, right? Philos. It's the word for love. Lover of God. This is written to the lover of God. Is it written to you? If it is. There is an adventure beyond your wildest imagination to know Jesus in a way that you've never dreamed and to be used by him in his redemptive plan as you could never have imagined. The book of Acts is unfinished. There are chapters yet to be written in your life and mine, in the life of this church, the life of this community, life of this college. Let's write them passionately, without reservation, without fear and crying. And let's write them together. Let's start writing them now. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your call. Thank you that you're not done, Jesus. Lord, as we pray, there are some here, Lord, who would say, Lord, I I began a relationship with you. I wrote a period at the end, not a comma. But it hasn't been to be continued in my life. I know you want the story to continue. I know you want it to be your story and your passion and your drive and your goal. And yet I filled it with so many other things. There are others who would say, I have put a lot of callings on my life, but not the calling that you have, Lord. I want to follow you. I want your Holy Spirit to live your life again through me. I want to live the gospel until it touches everybody. With every breath that I have, with every day that you bless me with, I want to be 
bankrupt for you so that I can be rich in you, Lord, so that so that you can flow out of me to touch my family, my friends, my neighborhood, my college, my town, my church, your church, your people. But I haven't done it. I've settled for wanting to know more of you, more about you, rather than follow you. If that's you, uh, you want prayer, I ask you to raise your hand. My hand's up. Raise it to God. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'll pray for you. We'll pray. Yes, there are people who want to be transformed. There are people who want to take the next step. There are people who want the story to continue in their lives. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for an ongoing invitation. Thank you for an invitation to follow you as we've never followed you before. Thank you for opening our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to who you want to be, to what your plan is, to who you want to reach. Lord, we put it all on the line. We hold nothing back. But Lord, it has to be you because there's nothing within us. There's nothing within our flesh that, that will be faithful to that. Thank you for your grace. We look forward to what you're going to do in and through us, not only as we study this book, but as we write the next chapter, as you write the next chapter in and through us. In Jesus' name, still praying. There are some here who are far from Jesus. You hear what the name Theophilus means, lover of God. Say, um, that's not me. I'm a liker of God. I'm a respecter of God. But I'm not a lover of God. I don't really so much need the story to continue as I need the story to begin. I need my life. I need the life Jesus created me to have. I don't have it now. If you would say that, if you would say, Lord, I turn my back on all the sin and every bad decision that I've made that has separated me from you. And I want you to come. I want you to come like your word says, like Tom explained. I want you to come and live your life through me. Cleanse me and use me mightily because I will not be at rest until I'm used for what you created me to be. I want that. If that's you, slip your hand up. I'll pray with you. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. It'll change your eternity. It'll put you in the hand of the one who created you. And you can follow him all the days of your life. If that's you, God bless you. God bless you. If that's you, you would say, yes, Lord. You know he's spoken to your heart. He's spoken to your heart. I'll pray with you. Make this your prayer. Lord Jesus. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe you rose again so that I might have life. And I believe you live and you want to live in me right now. The best way I know how, I say I'm sorry. I say enter in. I say be my Lord, be my Savior. Give me the boldness to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being open to the Spirit.
Not only is it going to be so heavy, there's some great opportunities for joy in this book. Victory. Boldness. It's going to be great. Stay with us. This is going to be life, community, kingdom, world, eternity transforming. Why? Because he's in charge and we're following him. No other reason. We're going to celebrate Christ's death because it gave us life. We have the elements. We're doing it a little bit differently this morning. The bread and the cup are here. Scripture is very clear that we're not to receive the, the elements, the symbols of Christ's body and Christ's blood, unless we've allowed them to have their full effect, which is to repent. To be broken and to celebrate the wholeness that we have in Him. If you're willing to do that, I, I invite you to take some time and in your heart find that peace, find that joy of forgiveness, find that joy of repentance. And when you're ready, come up and receive the elements. You might want to come up as a family, you might want to come up as friends, as a couple, as a small group meant to be received together. We'll give you a time to do that. If you've never received Jesus Christ, then it's not appropriate for you to receive the symbols of Him. But if today you do want to receive Him fully, this can be your way of doing it. I'll be up here. Come talk to me. We'll receive the elements together, you and I. And it'll start your life in Him. Your eternal life in Him. So take time. Spend it with God. And when you feel ready, come up and receive. Afterward, feel free. You're dismissed if you want to go. If you want to sit, I, in, I encourage you to let, to let God speak to you. Reflect. Pray. Think about whether this call of Acts is something you're ready for. And if it is, ask Him to give you the strength to take each step. When He sat down with supper and His friends the night before He was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. He gave them the bread and He said, This is my body. It's going to be broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. I'm still alive. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my blood. It's the blood of a new covenant, a new agreement. I'm spilling my blood for you and for all so that sins can be forgiven. Every time you drink it, remember this glorious sacrifice. Remember me. And we do. He is still alive. Enter into his presence. Enter into his supper. Jesus' name.